Welcome to the podcast of Fairmount Presbyterian Church in Cleveland Heights, Ohio, where we feature our worship sermons. Listen again to past sermons from home, when you are traveling, or wherever you are. Listen in if you need a moment of reflection, inspiration, and love. A letter to the Corinthians, chapter 4, verses 6 to 12. Listen again for God's holy word. God said that light should shine out of the darkness. He's the same one who shone in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in clay pots so that the awesome power belongs to God and doesn't come from us. We are experiencing all kinds of trouble, but we aren't crushed. We are confused, but we aren't depressed. We are harassed, but we aren't abandoned. We are knocked down, but we aren't knocked out. We always carry Jesus' death around in our bodies so that Jesus' life can also be seen in our bodies. We who are alive are always being handed over to death for Jesus' sake so that Jesus' life can also be seen in our bodies that are dying. So death is at work in us but life is at work in you. For the word of God in Scripture, for the word of God around us, for the word of God within us, thanks be to God. They wait in a perfect place for ambush. From their hiding places, they kill innocent people. Their eyes spot those who are helpless They lie in ambush in secret places like a lion in its lair. They lie in ambush so that they can seize those who suffer. Their helpless victims are crushed. They collapse, falling prey to the strength of the wicked. It's a devastating commentary on human morality and progress to admit that the words of this psalm, written perhaps 3,000 years ago, describe the events at the center of this nation over the past two weeks. Let's recall how we have lived the horror of Psalm 10 in recent days. At 2.30 in the afternoon on Saturday, May 14th, A man approached Top Supermarket on Jefferson Avenue in Buffalo, New York, wearing body armor and a military-grade helmet, outfitted with a camera on top so that he could live stream what he was about to do. He also carried with him a Bushmaster XM-15, an AR-15-style semi-automatic assault rifle. He shot four people in the parking lot outside the store killing three of them. Then he proceeded inside the store where he shot another nine people, killing seven. The shooter was an 18-year-old white male. The victims who died were aged 20 to 86, all 10 of them black. Law enforcement is investigating the shooter's connections to white supremacist organizations and the Department of Justice is investigating this mass shooting as a hate crime and an act of racially motivated violent extremism. The very next day, 
Sunday, May 15th, a 68-year-old Chinese immigrant showed up for worship at the Irvine Presbyterian Church in Laguna Woods, California. After worship, he stayed for a lunch with the Taiwanese church there with about 40 members of their congregation, and at 1.26 that afternoon, he opened fire on them, shooting six and killing one, Dr. John Chang, who was accompanying his elderly mother to church that day. And like in Buffalo, the shooting at Irvine Taiwanese Presbyterian Church is being investigated as a hate crime. And then, of course, on Tuesday, we were rocked once again with the news from Uvalde, Texas. Another young male, a high school student who just turned 18 this month, celebrated his birthday by legally purchasing two AR-15-style assault rifles and 375 rounds of ammunition. And just a few days after purchasing these weapons, he entered Robb Elementary School, barricaded himself inside a fourth-grade classroom, and killed 19 children and two teachers. He was close enough to them to see the terror on their faces, the tears in their eyes. Where are you, God? Where were you in these moments of chaos and death? Where were you on May 14th when people doing their Saturday afternoon grocery shopping were targeted because of their race? Where were you on May 15th when Taiwanese Christians were targeted because of their ethnic identity? Where were you on Tuesday when 9- and 10-year-old children and their teachers were murdered in their classroom? Why do you stand so far away, Lord, and hide yourself in these troubling times? Get up, Lord. Don't forget the ones who suffer. These questions and pleas raised by the psalmist in our scripture this morning are the very same ones on my heart this week. And reading these verses from Psalm 10, it's apparent that these questions were not asked in a calm, quiet, polite prayer. This was a prayer shouted at God in anger and desperation a prayer born from a place of deep pain. And I have to admit that in my experience, we Presbyterians, known for being decent and in order, we're not very comfortable when it comes to faithful anger and lament. It's not really in our spiritual repertoire, you could say. Instead, faced with suffering, we may feel compelled to remain stoic, rational, civil. And so, quite honestly, the more Presbyterian thing for me to do this morning would be to preach a more measured academic sermon on the topic of theodicy, to offer neat theological responses to the problem of evil, well-reasoned answers to the question of how we rationalize and reconcile an all-loving, all-powerful God with the murder of 19 children. 
Now that's a deeply important theological question, no doubt. And quite honestly, it's a sermon I'm much more comfortable preaching because I'm always eager to quash overly simplistic answers that suggest that this kind of violence is somehow part of God's plan beyond our human comprehension and to instead offer more nuanced theological discussion about the evolution of God's power and of our own role and in both creating and understanding and overturning sin and evil in this world. And yet I can't preach that message this morning because it's not where I'm at. And I don't think it's the question that we need to address this morning. Still raw from the senseless violence in recent days, the question for us today remains, why do you stand so far away, Lord, and hide yourself in these troubling times? I think part of what makes us so uncomfortable with shouting these questions at God is a presupposition that lament is the antithesis of faith. That if we're angry at God, or if we question God's presence in the midst of suffering, or God's power or ability to prevent evil, then we must have lost our faith in God. But if that's what the church has taught us, then we've gotten it all wrong. Because lament poured out to God is a holy act. It's a bold act of faith. Did you know that there are more psalms of lament in our scripture than there are psalms of thanksgiving or praise or any other type of psalm? And let's not forget that As Jesus suffered on the cross, he cried out the opening words of Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so faced with the harsh reality of evil in our world, the first thing I want to encourage all of us to do today, myself included, is to stop being so decent and in order for a moment. Instead of trying to calmly explain and rationalize this evil or even trying to rush to practical action steps for now, just for a moment, I invite us to sit in the deep cloud of evil that surrounds us. Feel the pain of others whose hearts have been ripped open. Feel the fear that it could happen to us, that it could happen here. Feel the confusion about how anyone could commit such evil acts. Feel the anger and guilt that we as a society keep allowing this to happen over and over and over again. You see, lament forces us out of our heads and into our hearts as we feel all these emotions, feel them in our bodies and in our spirits, we can know that God feels them too. Like Jesus, we weep with those who weep. But the thing about psalms of lament is that they rarely end in darkness. 
without getting too technical in terms of literary structure, you could say that there's a turning point in almost every psalm of lament. A moment when the complaints and accusations and anger kindled against God turned towards affirmation of the presence and faithfulness and goodness of God. Listen again to some of the closing verses of Psalm 10. But you do see God. You do see troublemaking and grief, and you do something about it. The helpless leave it all to you. You are the orphan's helper. Lord, you listen to those who suffer. You steady their hearts. You listen to them closely to establish justice for the orphan and the oppressed. This turn towards God's presence in the midst of suffering is echoed in the words of Paul in 2 Corinthians 4. He writes, we are experiencing all kinds of trouble, but we aren't crushed. We are confused, but we aren't depressed. We are harassed, but we aren't abandoned. We are knocked down, but we aren't knocked out. And for me, these words reveal the difference between lament that leads to bitterness, apathy, and despair, and lament that leads to resilience. If we feel alone in our grief, and anger at some point we will collapse under its weight. But if we know that we have not been abandoned, if we have faith that God is accompanying us in our suffering, then we can keep trudging onward even when things are painful and we feel lost. We can find that resilience. Now, I'm not talking about a resilience that we associate with rugged individualism in American culture. It's not about being tough and sucking it up when we're in pain. I'm talking about a spiritual resilience. A spiritual resilience that comes from an awesome power that comes from God and not from us. And if we're going to change anything, if we want to stand up and say, no more, we can't keep letting this happen. If we want to change public policy so that our schools and our churches and our grocery stores are safer, then we're going to need some spiritual resilience. Without it, our lament will turn to despair. We will be crushed we will feel abandoned, and our best efforts to create change will never feel like they're enough. But when we tap into our spiritual resilience, even as we lament, we proclaim that God is still here, suffering with us, listening to our cries, working with us and through us to bring peace with justice. Amen. We thank you for listening to a worship episode from Fairmount Presbyterian Church. Revisit this podcast site weekly for new worship episodes. Have a beautiful and blessed day.